morning. Well, good to be back with you. This is, I don't always have two so close together, so this one's kind of kind of fun to be back in uh, in Proverbs. Like Scott said, today we're going to be in uh, chapter 8, so you can start getting your um, Bibles around. Uh, ben did a great job of chapter 7 uh, last week. So as we're moving through this first part of, uh, like Scott mentioned, this first part of, of Proverbs, the first the first nine chapters are kind of like this, like this poetic uh, introduction. I, I don't, I don't understand Hebrew, and I don't know how to read it. But my understanding is that if you did, you would see that there is, uh, there is actually a poetic flow. Not we think of poems like words that rhyme and um, uh, those kind of poems, but this is sort of a long form. Poetry, and remember, as as we're thinking about this, that right, Solomon's using this kind of like a like a teaching manual to instruct the the young men in his king's court. So this is called the, the Proverbs of Solomon. There's a couple of other contributors, but he's he's using this kind of like a curriculum to to help the young men in his under his purview in his kingdom. You think about how to grow into future leaders. So the first nine chapters, anyway, that, that we've been going through are kind of this long-form commendation about wisdom, about some of those parts of, of the, the way you would teach kids, and then kids, young men. And then the rest of the chapters, which... Scott mentioned, we, we won't go through piece by piece, but 10 through the end of the book, uh, contain just this list of uh, over 300 separate little proverbs, things that aren't necessarily connected. Heard different commentators talk about if they're in sections and if there's uh, a flow to the rest of, of proverbs and they disagree. But, but this first part is, is more of a, again, a long, over the last couple weeks, we've heard from chapters 5 and 6 and 7 about how to avoid various foolish behaviors, foolish pursuits talked about. Well, maybe a little quiz. You may remember, think about the last four weeks in here. What are some of the, what are some of the behaviors that Solomon's been encouraging you to avoid? Specific things that we're to stay away from. Any of that? Remember any of that? You remember any of that? Sexual sin. Yes. For sure. That was one of them. Ben talked about that a couple of weeks. Any other ones? Lying. Yes. You are correct. Lying was one. I actually had that written down. So laziness, becoming a, a, a surety for someone else, creating division, pride. So we're talking about some specific things. I only say that so now as you think about the flow of Proverbs, having touched on some specific things to avoid, now Solomon's going to come back to in 8 and 9 next week um, to talk about what to do. 
there is a point where you talk about what not to do, and then you have to move on to, okay, what, what are we supposed to do? And so he's going to start talking about what is worthy for these young men to pursue. And he's going to present it to them this way of wisdom. So, if you have your Bibles handy, this is, let's go ahead and uh, we'll stand up here and read some of Proverbs chapter 8. Stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. So this is a long chapter. We won't read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a couple of sections of it, and then we'll, we'll wake our way through it. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of men. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They're all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. And I'll skip down to verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Have a seat. Let's pray before we start. Father, you are so wise, even as we think about it book of Proverbs, and we're going to use the word wisdom a lot, and we realize that this is, this is a part of who you are, an integral part of the God of the universe, and so I pray that you would give us wisdom as we would listen, as we'd hear, that your words would penetrate into our hearts, and we'd be able to apply it to our lives, and be able to think about ways that we can become more like you. We are thankful for the gift of Christ that has paid uh, for our sins, that has changed our standing before you so that you see us as righteous, but we know that there are ways that we need to grow, that we need to continue to, to be more Christ-like. And so I pray as we think through these verses here this morning, that you'd move in us, move in each one of us. We all had a different kind of week, living a different kind of life. Uh, speak to each one of us the way that you know how. So we trust you in this. We love you and ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, let's get so our, our big, kind of our big idea here is this, that, that wisdom is an attribute of God. A couple of weeks ago we talked about um, some of the things that God hates, some of the things in the he is a God of justice, and so it means that, that there are things that he has a hatred for. This 
going to be the other side of that. This is a, an attribute of, of who God is. And we'll talk about, as we move through it, what, what exactly that means, what exactly wisdom is. Try to define it a little bit. And the second part of that is that he shares that with us. Uh, there, are, there are things that we move through the Bible. We're called to emulate God, called to be like God, because that's how we know what, is good, what good is, because of what God is like. So we'll think about these two things as we move through here. So this is the first line on your note sheet if you're filling in blanks. So wisdom is more than morality, but not less. So I want you to remember something Ben said last week. I, I listened to his talk, and he said something like, Wisdom is more than just white-knuckling your way through, the, through life. More than just trying to keep track of all of the things that you're not supposed to do. And this is, this is really how this chapter starts. Right? So if you think of the flow of it, we're coming off of chapter 7, uh, which has been talked about, the, a warning of staying away from sexual sin. And now we're coming into chapter 8. And Solomon uses this personification of, of, of wisdom to hold out this wisdom as the better way. So again, we're coming off of chapters 5, 6, and 7 about avoiding sexual sin, avoiding lying, avoiding feet that run after evil, avoiding things that are bad. And so now Solomon's going to hold out this, this way of wisdom. So it starts, does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice. Talks about the crossroads and the gates and the town. And so because we are students of the Bible, right, we, we know that this isn't talking about a lady. This isn't actually a lady standing outside of town yelling, right? This is, he's, he's, he's using a, a personification. Well, in his reference here, let's talk about the location here first. So his reference to the, the crossroads and the city gates, it's something that's a little hard for us to understand because we've got roads and cars and interstates and all those sorts of things. But these places, the crossroads in chapter 2 and the gates in chapter 3, these were, this would have been the central, the central place of life in these uh, ancient cities. The city gates were often the, the courtrooms and the marketplaces. It's where the, the elders and the, the wise people, it's where business happened. They were the government centers of the day. So if you think about it, it might make more sense to us if, if we read this, excuse me, in our, in our common day, if these first verses read more like, wisdom stands on the steps of the White House on the mezzanine of Wall Street, in the chambers of the Supreme Court, and calls men to choose wisdom and understanding instead of gold, silver, or anything you can desire. And so he's, the, the point that he's making with this, with this calling out woman is that it's that important that, that it matters at the very central part of life, the most important pieces of your culture that you can think of, that's how important this understanding of wisdom is. 
places that we would see money and power and position. Solomon's telling his young men, telling the young men here in his courtroom, that wisdom is more valuable than all of that. You need to have wisdom more than any of the things that those, that those important places in life would give you. So we move to, to verse 5 and we read the instruction to learn prudence and learn sense. And this means what he's getting at here is it means more than just knowing the rules. This is more than just a rote knowledge of God's law. Even, even the big one, right? We all know the Ten, the ten Commandments. You think, well, ten, that's pretty easy. As you get into God's law in the Old Testament, I think there's 600 and some as you go through there. Even if you knew all of those things, right, wisdom is, it's not less than that, but it's more than that. It's an understanding of life that requires more than that. So I read a, a funny example in my preparation for this. This, this man wrote, suppose that you have a very difficult and annoying friend and you are contemplating whether or not you want to murder them. If you come to a prudent person, what are they going to tell you? They're going to say, we have a rule for that. You cannot do that. It happens to be rule number five. You can't murder them. That's the moral law. Don't murder them. Simple. Easy, right? I mean, that's decision-making 101. That's the probably the easiest decision that that person, or hopefully not you, would make today as to whether or not you, you murder someone who is annoying to you. But most of our decisions in life aren't like that. Some are. And those, those we can make based on God's clear moral choices. But decisions like who to date, who to marry, where to live, where to work, where to go to church. All important decisions that are going to affect your life. They all have a moral law component. I mean, so, so we, can, we can get some guidance from an actual law, but there is not a biblical rule that we can follow for those things. And the Bible says, get wisdom. And instead of giving you the answer, like, well, what should I do about Fill in the blank. The Bible says, get wisdom. And so, what is that? Wisdom is the ability to stand in a relationship with God in Christ, in the fear of the Lord, and to choose well and rightly. In all these decisions when there's no rules telling you exactly what to do. So if, if you're waiting for the end of that to hear, well, okay, I, I know the Ten Commandments, now tell me what wisdom is and so that I can do wisdom. Well, fact is, it's not that simple. This is something that it is the, it is the process of choosing wisely. It is the process of discerning, but it is that. It is a process that's going to come about in a different way for each one of us. We all have different circumstances that we deal with. And even the way it sets itself up, one of my favorite uh, Proverbs, sections of Proverbs, is in chapter 26. You don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. So, thinking about what is wisdom and how do I make decisions and 
You know, am I going to be able to find all of the answers on a line in the Bible? Really easy. Solomon says in, in verse 26, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Okay, answer not a fool. Okay, that's got that. And the next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Uh, okay, so which one, I mean, which one is it? Which one am I supposed to do? And the fact is, as we look at these things, as we understand, we know that the, the, the word of God can't contradict itself. This is inspired by the God of the universe. That can't be wrong. It can't be two things that are impossible to do. As we step back a second and we look at those, we see that wisdom is going to have us to do both of those things, but probably at different times. Right? Answer a fool according to his folly. Sometimes you do have to talk to a fool because he needs to know he's making a foolish decision. And sometimes there's somebody who is, who is so encompassed by foolishness that you know that a conversation is not going to do anything. And so there are times when both of those things are true. The difference of knowing which thing to do is wisdom. That ability to discern between those two things, that's what wisdom is. All right, move to the next one. So this is, I'm just trying to move through this, this section of verses. So this next uh, section of verses 12 to 21, Solomon's going to talk about how wisdom affects leadership. So it makes sense, again, right? So he's talking He's talking to the young men in the palace. They're probably already thinking about the kind of leaders that they're going to be. They probably already have men that they think they're going to pattern their lives after. They're looking around at, uh, at other, other examples. And so, to summarize this section, we've heard it numerous times already in the chapters we've studied, but Solomon says it again. Kings and leaders, men in positions of authority are going to have to reject the impulses of their flesh. Pride, arrogance, perverted speech there in, chapter, in verse 13. If they want to have wisdom. You, you, you don't get to have both. You don't get to pursue the things that God hates and then find the wisdom that God provides at the same time. Those are, those are antithetical to each other. But the, the, the sweet news is, as you move through that section of verses, that if they do, right, if these, if these kings and rulers are willing to reject those things, those, those base things of human nature and seek for wisdom, God will grant it to them. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. Princes rule and nobles govern justly. This is a total aside, but I was, I was thinking about this as we move, having had two chances to teach Proverbs. There's a point where you probably think, oh, isn't this just saying the same thing over and over and over again? And you're right. That's, the fact is, it is saying that, uh, that, that the book, of, especially these first, these first nine chapters where kind of the, the long form sort of the, the parent speech uh, before you get into the, the details at the end. But I don't think it's a mistake. 
trying to think about why, why, why not just condense the thing down and have one chapter at the beginning before we get into the rest of it. One of the things I was thinking that something that I had learned as a parent is that it does seem like I am constantly saying the same things over and over and over and over again. And not to throw the kids entirely under the bus, if I step back a second and I look at my life, I'm however old I am, and I look at the things that are a challenge to me in my life, I think God has to be looking at me thinking, I have to say this over and over and over, and still you don't get it. Still, right? at my age, I'm still dealing with some of the things that I, the, the, the bad habits and the, the spiritual challenges that I had 10 years ago. And God's looking at me thinking, I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna keep saying this over and over and over again. So I think it's just a, it's just part of the human condition that we need to hear these things over and over and over again. Because we're, we're, we're just bent to go, to go elsewhere. So it is just to say that if it seems like it seems like this is coming at you. Boy, do I need to hear this again? You probably do. I mean, at the risk of being rude, you probably do, right? Because I do. I need to be reminded of these things. This is not something that's natural to our human mind um, to want to go the way that God wants us to go. It's things that we have to, to continue to remind ourselves of, of the way that Ben talked about that last week about binding these things in front of your eyes, making these things, things you remember, putting, putting note cards in your car to remind you of the things that God says. It is good, it is good for us to remind ourselves of these same basic truths. And so that's kind of what, what Proverbs is doing, is putting this in front of us many times, a little different formation, but over and over and over again, the same truth. So back to these, this leadership section. Right, we know from, from Romans 13, the Bible says that every authority that exists is, is appointed by God. So every king, every ruler, every prince, um, every person in every position of authority is not outside of uh, the hand of God. He has placed them there. You can tell if you watch the news that uh, there are some good ones who have availed themselves of God's wisdom, and there's some who have not. There are some who have chosen their, their base desires, the chosen wickedness, chosen evil. But I love that God promises here that if they want wisdom, they can have it. Right? This is not something that is, that is outside of even, even rulers, and for sure, none of us here. If, if you want this, how does it say it? I love those who love me and those who seek me, and this is wisdom speaking, who seek me diligently, find me. So this can be found if we would desire this, if we would desire to find this wisdom of knowing how to make decisions and discernments in life that are pleasing, that are pleasing to God. So moving on into the next section, this will be 23 to, to 31. Fill in your blank. 
Aquinas. Wisdom is such an inherent characteristic of God that it even guided creation. So in this, we didn't read, we didn't read these. Uh, I felt like I've been standing up here reading the whole hour. Uh, but if you read here through 22 down through these verses, they kind of a familiar ring to them, right? As you read these, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. Before the beginning of the earth, there were no depths, there were no springs. Before he made the earth and the fields, right? this is a recap, essentially, of the, of the account of creation. And so, what we're, what we're seeing here is this wisdom, this aspect, this attribute of God was present before creation, right? It, it means that it is something that God has had. It did not come about that creation. It's something that's been a part of God from the very, well, I say the very beginning, from before the beginning. A little hard for me to wrap my mind around whatever was forever. <laughs> it's, it's always been there. Uh, another aside, this is I was studying that I, I thought was pretty neat, maybe you will too. As I was studying, so as you read through these verses, 22 to, to 31, is there, is there any other part of the Bible that that reminds you of? Any other section, like just that talk about the dust of the, the world and the circle on the face of the deep, those kind of words? I, I just thought it was really fascinating, and I heard one of the commentators that I was listening to, it made me think about the 38th chapter of Job. So if you remember the story of Job, you get to the end of it, and, and Job and his friends have been talking about all the things they're talking about, and then, and then God says to Job, sit down, buckle your seatbelt, we're going to talk about something. And he starts asking them questions about, where were you when I made this world, when I created all of this, when I created all of this out of nothing? And to me, that's what this... Just the, the wording in this section feels like that. It sounds like that. And one of the preachers that I listened to made a really interesting observation. He said, we don't know this. I don't know this to be true. But he said, as, as Solomon is sitting down to write these proverbs, so it's actually possible that he could have been reading the book of Job. Right, in terms of chronology, the, the, the book of Job, even though it's different in the order of the Bible, um, it's generally back, probably after Genesis, in terms of, of chronology. And so Solomon would have had that. And I just love that thought of, of Solomon. He's full of wisdom because God has given him great wisdom. And he's reading this, this other book of what will be our Bible. It wasn't, it wasn't at that point. But just reading that, just because... Again, and, and having that, having some of that language sort of filter through into, into what he writes. I just thought that was a really cool thought. So we learn here that, that wisdom is talking, that we're talking about in Proverbs is an actual attribute in, in, in the mind of God. He's wise and he used that wisdom to make the world like an artist uses a paintbrush. Right? He made the world great skill and great decision-making, all the things that are in it. He made it to work in a certain way. Ben mentioned last week the amazing, the amazing complexity of the human eye, of, of how the eye works, of how God put that together. 
and the fact that in the broader world, outside of a wise creator, there's, there's really no explanation for how it works or how that could have come together in, in iterations, right? Because God used his wisdom to make the world in a certain way. So we also know from, from the rest of the council of scripture that God made a moral order to this world. In his wisdom, he created the, the, the way that, that fallen men would interact, the way that workings would, the, the way that our lives would interact, the way relationships would interact. They follow a certain natural order. One that, that Solomon, actually, if you read the rest of Proverbs from 10 to the end, uh, many of those are talking about that, about how people relate with each other, about how things generally happen in a fallen world. And this, this moral order is just as much a reality as the physical one. I mean, we know the physical one, that things are, we can see things and we can see the sun come up and we can see the sun go down and we know what gravity is and we know lots of things that you learn in physics that I don't know anymore. All these things are true. These things are real. But the fact is that the, the, the moral order of the world is just as real as that. We live in a culture that wants to tell you that that's not the case and it seems like the more they tell you that that's not the case, they prove to you that it is things that they go about to tell you of you can choose your own truth and you can be your own thing and whatever you believe is true for you but it's not for me um, and then they go about to show you that, that that's not true <laughs> that actually uh, moral order is is real and so what we're being told here is when we look at these these verses about creation Just like, just like the scientific laws, there's an order, a moral order. And if you don't pay attention to it, it's going to hurt. That the things, that foolishness can kill you. It can destroy your life. That if you don't work hard, that if you live a life of lies and cheating without honor, without trust, without love, if you're lazy, if you ignore sexual norms, if you ignore the way God ordered the world, it can crush your life. It's just real. This is just the way, it is the way the world works. Now, one thing you will, you will find as you ask for the wisdom of God and he grants it to you, you will see these things are not always true. Right? They are generally true. We, we, can, we can all think of even as we read through those things. Laziness, neglect, uh, liars and cheaters. We can think of those people who have gotten, and we would say, what they deserve in this life. We talked a couple weeks ago when I was here that God's time frame is longer than that. So we don't always see those liars. Sometimes we see liars who do not get what they deserve here. We know that they get what they deserve when they deal with God. But that's, that's what the rest of the book of Proverbs is 10 and 4 is saying. Is, is These things are true about because they are the way that God made this world to work. 
And only God can tru truly see it all. And we need his revelation. We need his wisdom. Right? There is, there's, nothing, there's nothing on this. We need his re revelation to be able to understand how to make proper decisions as we go through life. So when we ask for God's wisdom, I'm around to that, what we're asking for is for God's mind to be our mind so that we can see the world the way he sees the world. So that brings us to our last point here. God promises to give his children wisdom when they seek it from him. And so think about all of these things and, and we, we see what Proverbs is saying wisdom is. It is the the making of decisions um, that take everything into account. It is, it is not just the follow, not just the following of rules, but the application of those rules to a world that that moves in a way that God made it to move. And that's so. Where does that leave us? If God just told us that wisdom is the key to pleasing Him, and that's what it is, is being God. Good luck. <laughs> There's not a lot of hope in that this morning, right? If, if the way for me to be successful in life is being God, right, I'll take the under. I, I just, I'm not going to get there. I, I'm not going to be able to do that. But God doesn't leave us there, right? We already saw back in 17, verse 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. God desires to give us his wisdom. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all, without reproach, and it will be given him. God wants you to have this. He wants you to know this. He wants you to make decisions wisely. He wants you to be able to look at hard things, and he wants to give you the ability to make those hard decisions. We serve a sovereign God who knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything that ever was and that ever will be. And we know that he's chosen to operate this world with us. To, to, to operate his world, to operate his church, to operate his evangelistic project with us, with a group of people who by ourselves are not have a hard time, frankly, being moral, even remembering all of the things. But he wants us to have those things. He's made true wisdom in men to be a product of pursuing him. There isn't, there's, there's not a, an Indiana Jones and the holy grail of wisdom that somehow if you found it and you touched it, you'd be wise or some kind of Da Vinci code that you could find the book and you could read it, and if you memorized it, then you would be wise. That's, that's not where it comes from. God has ordered the world such that we grow in wisdom as we seek him, as we seek him in prayer, as we study his character in the Bible, the way he's revealed himself to us, as we live out our faith, in, in the communities of people that he's placed us in. That's how wisdom comes. There's, there's not another way. It isn't that there's a plan A for wisdom, and if you can't do that, then you come over to plan B, and you have to pray for it. It doesn't work that way. God made it to work such that men cannot have wisdom. 
unless they seek it. And they seek it from him. And then he says, if you will do that, you can have it. I give it. I'm going to give it to you freely because I want you to live that way. This is not beyond any of us. You think about, about wisdom. It's easy to think about Solomon. And like, oh, God made him the wisest man that ever was. And that's never going to happen to me. And so how am I ever going to have it? And, and I think the great news of our, of our section today is that if you come to Christ in faith for the forgiveness of your sins, like you, are, you are saved. You are, you are justified. And from there, we call it sanctification, the process of, of living out a life of wisdom and service to God. He's going to help you do it. He's going to give you that ability to look at. He's going to give you that ability to know how to answer, to answer the fool in your life. Is it, is it the fool that you shouldn't answer, or is it the fool that you should? Right? These are things that come from seeking out God, from seeking, from knowing who he is, from having a relationship that's what brings out that ability to know the difference between those two things. So we're, we're never going to attain the wisdom of God, right? That, the, the actual wisdom at God's level. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He is sovereign. We are not that. But he calls us to grow in it. He calls us to have wisdom. Asking so, so he calls us to ask for his help, to ask for his guidance, to seek to see the world through his eyes, to see it in the way he sees it. And then he will give us the wisdom to apply his truth to our everyday lives. So I heard uh, last, last week, I, this is a good idea I never thought about before. Um, ben went through his questions at the end. And so I did just write mine down here. So maybe let's think about those. I got just a couple minutes left here. So the first one I thought about is think about a recent experience where you needed something more than moral knowledge to know what to do. Right? So this isn't the question again of, of whether you murder someone that annoys them you or whether you steal something in the store or pay for it. Uh, but something a little more complicated. Maybe the next, maybe the next step of whether to murder your dif your difficult friend is well. If you don't murder them, then what do you do? What do you do with them? How do you deal with somebody who is who is difficult, who is a challenge to you? How did you go about it? Right, thinking about what we've learned here that that morality is important. You need to know that. But what's the step beyond that? Since I have a hard time getting yeses and noes, I'm guessing that a, a long-form answer probably isn't coming. But I just, I just wanted to take a second for you to think about, right? To, to, you all have decisions in your lives, right? You've got high schoolers and junior hires in my house, and, and you get to the point where some of these decisions are kind of thorny of, of how you deal with friends, how you deal with people, how you deal with uh, the folks in your life 
that are maybe making decisions that are not good. You have to make the decision, going back to that answer a fool thing, in a lot of ways you have to know how to answer fools at this point in your life. I'd like to tell you that that goes away, but it doesn't. You will spend the rest of your life needing to know um, how to answer how to answer fools as our, as our culture increasingly moves away from the truth of who God is. Knowing, having wisdom of those things, knowing how to do that, I, I'm just going to come, come back and say again to you, that God wants you to have this, but it's not dropping out of the sky like some kind of miracle. You're not going to run into it on the street. It is, there's a there's a very specific process that God says, you have to come and know who I am. And we know how to do that. You learn that every, you learn that every Sunday here. How do you know who God is? Well, you read about who he is. You think about who he is. You pray. You study. How does God make decisions? You, you get in relationship with people who are doing the same thing. And who have been doing the same thing for a long time. People with some experience as Christian. That you learn about how do you find this wisdom. So that God can. Because so that God can give it to you. As you learn how to seek it from him. Uh, second, what are some aspects of God's creation where you see his wisdom? This is something we didn't have time to get into today. But uh, I just love thinking about stuff, thinking about the, just the wisdom of a God who made this world to work the way it works. Right? The, the fact that food tastes good. The fact that if you fry something, it tastes better. I, I think you just take it for granted because that's what happens, right? When you fry something golden brown, like, wow, that's the way the world works because that's what happens when you put it in the fryer. But why? I didn't make that up. I wish I could have. <laughs> but it's right. I mean, just thinking, God did that, right? And, and it's from, it's attributed here to a wisdom of making a world that all holds together, that all works together. Uh, so just a neat thing for you to think about. I had a chance to talk about it with your, with your parents, just to work through some of the amazing um, features of creation that came from the wisdom of God. And then this last one, uh, James 1.5. We read, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And so just a question of, right? If based on this passage, as you think about how you make decisions, isn't it about that that you change? God says, if you need wisdom, I'm going to give it to you. There's a certain way for you to get it. If you need it, I'm going to give it to you. Thinking about how we make decisions, how we move through our life to make decisions that, that honor God. All right, we're out of time. Let me pray and I'll let you go. Father, you're so good to us that you would look down, even as this verse says, that you love those that love you. Wisdom is something you desire to give. It's something you don't withhold from people. They don't have to achieve some level of sainthood to get it. You see, that desire to give it to those who, who would have it. So that you move through life in a way, making decisions in a way that everything you do can bring glory to God. Pray for our hearts here this morning as we've heard this, this truth. 
can it speak to each one of us? We each have, have different facets of life that need, it, that need this truth, that needs your touch on the way we move about our lives. And so I pray that you bless it as we go out into life this week. Uh, make us a people whose lives bring praise to you. Thank you for the gift of Christ.